Sterling wants to stay here. Hi, Sterling. Something else is happening. Is this your friend? Oh, no. Sorry. Just... I was like, that's not Kiara. Oh, a lady just came on the screen. Hey, Kiara. How you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, you're looking lovely. Thank you. you look bright. All right. Well, much love. Best of luck. Can I brag on Sterling? Look what Sterling just did. Oh, my goodness. That is so beautiful. You see the earth burning? Yes, I do. Holy cow. All right. Do Sterling, more. do you have a website for all of your amazing work? I did, but I took it down. I probably should get the website up. I have the Instagram. I have someone. I probably should get the website messed up. Yeah, I think uh, you're too talented to not have your stuff be seen all the time by people. Yeah, I just need to do more of it. I need to get back into doing it. I kind of got out of it. All right, have fun. Thank you. It's nice seeing you. Yeah. Love you. So, yeah, so the main focus, um, I'm going to start with the entrance because I'm putting this on the my podcast and I'm going to introduce you. Um, how would you like me to introduce you? Uh, as a... He's as a nutritionist and trauma-informed emotional relief counselor. Perfect. You saying that is where I'm going to enter the blog. So that's our podcast entrance is your amazing voice. Um, this is June Sindesi, and I am so excited to have her on with me for this very impromptu podcast post. Um, we are going to be discussing the eclipses that we have that are coming up. And it just so happens that we are both Gemini and Sagittarius vibe energy. And I specifically wanted to chat with June and you guys so that we could have this kind of informative time of here we are we're talking about what's going to happen to us and how it affects us especially people who have the majority of the signs that are coming in so without further ado miss june if you have questions for me you are welcome to start us up i'm really excited because i don't know a lot about astrology and i've heard a lot of different things about eclipses like some native people of the land native nations um, wouldn't come out side during eclipses and then i know you've prepared a lot of materials for your students and others taking your courses around the ancient ways that eclipses were used i just interviewed another astrologist on my podcast the syndesi wellness podcast and she told me that until a couple hundred years ago all physicians and doctors had to be trained in astrology so i wasn't as aware of how much astrology has been used interdisciplinary interdisciplinarily in all different sectors and um just parts of industry and and curious why and curious how the eclipses in, in specific play into um life and what i i mean i guess i'd say for dummies what is an eclipse on a scientific level and then how that affects our internal science so we have two um, eclipses. Um, the difference between the two is really important to note, especially when we're talking about the medical field. The first eclipse is a lunar eclipse, which is the upcoming eclipse we have on May 26th this year. And that eclipse occurs when, scientifically, when the moon is full 
and the Earth blocks the sun rays from partially fully reaching the moon. Thus, the moon is casting within the Earth's shadow. Energetically, a lunar eclipse guides us to transcend negative patterns, old beliefs within the shadow self in the spiritual translation. So when you see it up in the sky, you will see that it is during um, a full moon phase, which will be, like I said, on May 26th. And it makes the illusion of the full moon being of a red hue color because of that shadow that is being cast onto it by the Earth. And that kind of sun, earth, moon all mixing together, it makes that amazing glow. It can only be seen in certain areas of the world during the specific eclipse. So it kind of looks like a penumbra where it's like a light that's cast and it's a focus, like a flashlight, so to speak. And that in particular is going to be during the Sagittarius phase of the constellation for the moon. So it's kind of cool. (laughs) Okay, so the moon eclipses are more shadow work or internal yes. work. Yes. So the shadow side of Sagittarius. Yes. Oh, yay! And I'm a Sagittarius sun. But there's always nectar, right? Because I used to get so afraid of astrology because I felt like I was doomed. But there's always a gift. Yes. In- so in that lunar eclipse... Uh, the gift that you'll be receiving is the focus of um, relationships being removed that are no longer like healthy for you. Um, Kind of people working in a different direction. Uh, So for you, if you have people in your life who have not been um, the best or they're not giving you that push in the right direction, they will be relocated, not in your life any further. And you can continue to be pushed forward towards your uh, focus and your adventure. And that's the main thing about Sagittarius is the adventure of life. So that's pretty awesome for you. I mean, and personally, as a Sagittarius, the last week, I felt a lot around boundaries and my limitations and others not honoring those. And so figuring out, like, I have to stand firmer in them, even if those people fall away. So I feel like my energy is guiding me up to this culmination. And what's interesting is my moon is in Sagittarius. So people who have, you could have either the sun sign in Sagittarius or your moon sign or your rising sign, and it affects you differently. So for example, for you, your sun sign, that's your world. That's the people around you. That's your outer, not inner work. It's the people, boundaries, as you said. For me, it's emotional. So my my moon, it'll be focused on my mother, my relationship with women, and my personal emotional inner self. For the rising, if you have Sagittarius rising, that is the deeper self. That's like Lilith right there, that shadow, that, that working through your inner push, uh, directional drives, things like that. Where do you want to go and are you going to switch paths, you know? So... I I had never heard that about your moon sign and it makes complete sense, total sense. That is your mother. What in astrology resembles your father, Mars or something? I don't know. Um, I believe it's two, two specific locations, but Mars is definitely father and um, your rising sign depicts your relationship with both your parents, but how they treat you as well. So what's interesting is my rising sign is Libra. My father is Libra. 
And my relationship with my father was inseparable at birth. And it progressively transcended into a different relationship as we got older. And it's crazy. My rising sign is my dad's sign, Cancer. My moon sign is my mother's sign, Virgo. She's wow. a Virgo Libra cusp. And I had one mentor tell me, your parents are usually, their signs are usually within your three main signs, sometimes. Yeah, and all the relationships that are connected to you, they're, uh, they're pinpointed at specific locations for a reason. So sometimes your best friend could be uh, your moon sign instead of your mother. Like for me, my best friend was Sagittarius and my mother is Aries. So I don't, you know, there's, they're not correlating. Um, and the second eclipse that I want to speak on really fast, and we'll go back to the connections because it's really important, is the solar eclipse, which is occurring during new moon. And it's when uh, the moon moves between the earth and the sun, obscuring earth's view of the sun. Hence, the sun, moon and earth are in a straight line. Um, the energy of the solar eclipse, particularly the spiritual translation, it obscures our vision forward such that we can take time to re reflect on present time things, uh, reevaluate steps moving forward and understanding like your inner insight. And that next eclipse is going to be uh, June 10th, two days before my birthday, and it's going to be in Gemini. <laughs> wow, your sun sign and right before your birthday and an eclipse. So a sun eclipse, of, you said, obscures things from view of your future plans to make you focus on the present. But that also, mm -hmm. that almost seems like a gift in itself of like, when I used to worry about what I had to do in the future, if I just was present with what I needed to do, it would change my vibration to what my future could present me. And that's why I thought it was really important for you and I to, to chat on this because um, your perspective is a perfect opposite of my perspective on the zodical um, scale. So with your Sagittarius nature, it's interesting to see where you've been to where you're going and where you are in the moment with me sitting here. Um, I would love to share, uh, not too personal, but just how my adoration of you began. Um, you had actually entered my life during a period of time of your major transition of your mat, not only your magic, but your self-love. And I admired that you took the time to have a presence with me and yourself and be this magnificent influence you kind of taught me how to be patient and still and listen, even if you don't want to, and to love yourself no matter how challenging or you pick yourself apart could be, you know. Um, so I wanted to acknowledge that with you, especially before the eclipse, because I'm really curious to see what happens in your life in particular and other Sagittarius mentors like Rima, both our mentor, um, where they will be when this eclipse occurs where they'll be or where, where they'll go afterwards how it transforms them yes i'm curious about i was looking at the notes that you sent me um the ancient facts when it came to the eclipses you know what i feel so strongly connected to is since i was young going over 
30 different countries studying with very different tribal elders in terms of cultural, anthropological, ritual significance, um, very interested in all flavors of the one and sitting down with my oral history journalism background to listen to people's expression of how they're relating to God, how they're relating to ritual and um, have a deep passion for that. So my mind starts to take me to, you know, one thing I'll also say as a caveat is I, I get frustrated when people are from a Jew, Judeo-Christian background. I'm from a Jewish background. My mother's from the Mayflower. Um, she converted to Judaism, but I have both. And people get interested in the Native Americans, indigenous of North America. But I never like people to forget that if they were Jewish or Christian, once were Jewish, you know, they were tribes of the land as well. The, the Torah goes and in, in is cycling through seasonal agricultural changes, which has to do with pagan traditions. Like they were very connected. And so my brain starts to bring me to like, whether it's mine, whether it's Egyptian, whether it's North American native, you know, did they prepare in a certain way? Because I felt like the earth cycles really kind of regulated what rituals were, were happening. We just had Beltane, May 1st, um, and and what like holidays were happening. I mean, even the fact that Christmas is where it is, I've heard is having to do with a seasonal holiday that then they like kind of collaborated and created Christmas for Christ, but that his birthday wasn't even during that time. So I'm curious if, certain cultures certain tribes prepared for eclipses or did certain rituals on eclipses how they were used in um, ancient mythology um some of the major ones that i know just also from uh, being very very interested in the native american culture and the pagan cultures like you were saying um, we have something coming up just after the eclipses which is considered midsummer and it is um, a very big deal. Um, I think it's June, it's during the June 21st through the 24th. It's a celebration of um, this like life energy. And during, in the native culture, I don't know the term, I just know that they have a very sacred ritual for the womb, for mother during um, the June 21st period, which is the, uh, what is it called again? No, it's not the equinox, the, solstice, the summer solstice. And um, when you have full moons very close to the solstices and you have eclipses very close to the transitions of the seasons, it was always seen as one of the most important times in, in the history. It was written down. It was spoken to. There was no ritual. You don't, during eclipses, you do not do magic in pagan culture. You don't do candle work. You don't do any of that. It's all self-reflection and uh -huh. it's not initiating energy outward. No way. Oh, this mm -hmm. is so great to know. And what's so crazy is you just blew my mind because we think of reverence, honoring ritual as an action doing, not always like Vipassana style, going within, not talking. But one native that I know said, you don't go out during eclipses. So they would stay in and maybe not do ritual fire, you know? And, and so that's so crazy. You just blew my mind of what sanctity, what honoring is and that we're so American and thinking everything's action and that some things are just stillness and not doing is the ritual in itself. In this other astrologist that I interviewed, she said, 
couple days ago, we entered the shadow of Mercury retrograde until July 7th is when the shadow ends of when Mercury goes direct or wherever it goes out of retrograde. And that this is not a time of initiation. It's a time of reassessing res resolution and um, just kind of resolving and then taking action after July 7th uh, because there's so many communication issues. And so it's so crazy to me. And I have a question to you and the fact that like, you just said eclipses are not initiating or action oriented times. They're reflecting times. And this Mercury retrograde is also saying don't initiate or action re reflect. So do eclipses often happen when there's Mercury retrogrades? That might not be a good question, but. It's an, it's an interesting question too, because um, the Mercury, actually another planet that's going retrograde literally this week is Jupiter as well. So and not only do you have, go ahead, what were you saying? Is that Sagittarius's ruler? And this is a Sagittarius eclipse. Exactly. So the, the stars are really like directing us to pause and go within and reassess, like from every direction. And on top of that, Jupiter is in Pisces and both Pisces and Sagittarius rule Jupiter's energy. And they're both in the cycling of the, the energy because the moon will be in Sagittarius and Jupiter will be, uh, you know, in Pisces, sitting there, hanging out in that retrograde energy. Um, so it's very funny because when, uh, to answer your question, going back to when Mercury retrograde happens, when it occurs during eclipses, um, it's very important because it means that um, not only is your communication being paused, ergo Mercury, um, your yourself, your your inner deeper divine feminine, which is that that moon energy, is also on pause. Another thing that I had heard from, um, I think it was the Ojib Ojibwe tradition, is that during the eclipses, especially when it is the the lunar eclipses, and it's that big bright moon and it's red and it's over America. Um, it's seen as the womb, you know, because we of the menstruation and the blood and, and the, the, you know, stillness like you don't you they would go in the tents and they have their their ritual together where they would sit with the women of the tribe and hold space together. And I think that that would be even more impacting as well during eclipse because there's no there's no going out. There's no sharing. There's no it's all self. It's all together. It's unified. It's in one space at one time. And it's also individual as well as unified at, at those occurrences. And I was reading on the ancient Aztecs that I want to talk about that because of, you know, the different Americas, because they're in that South America energy. Um, the eclipse presented the possibility of the end of the world. If it were solar eclipse with an earthquake falling on the date of the fourth Olin, it would herald the end of the world. Since the Aztecs were skilled astronomers, they knew that an eclipse would not occur on the four Olin until the 21st century, which is coming up for us. If the eclipse was complete, they believed that demons of the darkness would destroy the earth. In Aztec myth, blood sacrifices were necessary to ward off disaster. The Aztec myths also hold that eclipses are dangerous for pregnant superstition persists some parts of the world today. And what's fascinating about that is it doesn't have to be doom and gloom energetically. It has to be that reflection of demons that are even within us as well. That's my analogy that I'm looking at it. I'm noticing for myself during all of this energy that there's a lot of divine feminine things coming up for me that I otherwise do not think about as far as my sexuality, my womb, my age, 
my female parts and me and myself, which is not something I think about. I'm a very masculine, do, 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 work, work, work oriented person. But this time has been really focused on uh, literally sitting in my my demons, my darkness and, and dealing with it. And I think that that's very important for the Sagittarius analogy as well, because Sagittarius in, um, in the ancient cultures was the sign that was very um, connected, kind of like uh, Hermes was a good analogy for Sagittarius because Hermes, even though he represents uh, mercurial energy, Hermes goes and he's the chatterbox of everybody. He knows everybody's business. He sends messages to everybody. But during these periods of time in their written culture, uh, Hermes would not make moves during eclipses because his shoes would go missing and he would have to sit and reflect. Wow, I love that. And so in Sagittarius is the doer moving around like the adventurer, traveler, mystic. Um, I want to circle back to a couple questions with um, in the native tradition, they would sit in a circle. You said the women would uh, sit in a circle. Well, do you remember what that is called? I can't remember. It's when they go into the tent together. We're and it's like their red tent moon lodges. The moon lodges. Yeah. So it's crazy that you're saying this because I lecture around the country on female biology and the oral history of how we took care of our biology different than males. Cause we know now that we have different neurological shifts, metabolic shifts during the month due to our uterine lining and what it's signaling the body to do since we're here to create a baby. And um, as well as having an infradian rhythm along with a circadian rhythm, not only circadian rhythm and so what i think is really interesting is that there's research now highlighting the divine feminine um but it's not what we've been taught to honor and you know revere which is the work 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 go 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 instead of rest integrate regenerate and then go and that's why a lot of us are burnt out in our culture um something else came up when you were talking about the aztec time of demons on earth and um you know this isn't the first thing that came came up but i want to share it i was chatting with a friend who said and i'm curious what you believe too with what's happening and the age of aquarius that people have chatted about um if you want to give any context for that but that the ancient Egyptians, the Aztecs, Lumerians, Atlanteans, we had these ancient civilizations that had created these incredible technologies and eventually destroyed themselves. And that we don't have to fear the technological age that's coming. This morning I saw online that um, Japan has created an anti-gravity house that floats so that it's, you know, to prevent earthquakes. And I was talking to Kiara the other day and she said, this is the age of hover cars and all of these things, you know, that we'll see. Um, but that those civilizations destroyed themselves with the technology. And hopefully with the wisdom we have that we won't destroy ourselves with the technology. And that um, another aspect of my thought is 2012. Some people have thought that was actually 2020, um, but that it's not that our earth will be the end of the world, but maybe an end of one world and a new world, or, you know, it cut out a little bit when you were talking about the Aztecs, but something was 
springing within me. It might come back, um, having to do with what they did or what was done. Um, I'll see if it comes back. Um, with the age of Aquarius, the very interesting analogy that I've noticed, especially with people, is um, there's a lot of impatience. There's a lot of um, shadow that people can't deal with, whether it be in their marriages or themselves. And I've also noticed that there's a lot of, um, there's this fear around uh, something called spiritual warfare. And I'm curious if the spiritual warfare analogy is what the Aztecs were talking about with demons riddling the earth during the modern age of the eclipse periods, because there's a lot of people who want to start with these separations and these these disconnects, which is funny because literally I have it written here. Um, eclipses are literally they mean like to sever. It's a it's a severance. It's it's a cut. Um, and that to me is is so intensified. I, I've noticed it pretty much with everybody. Um, and I I wonder, you know, we are a take on it with the um, the age of Aquarius with these ancient cultures as well. The ancient Egyptians, it's not that they um, it's not that they destroyed themselves. I believe that there's some parts of history that have been taken out of our our reach, out of our understanding. And I think that maybe, there was similar to now there were major technological advances that occurred and it it spiraled so quickly and so fast that uh other beings that couldn't control us anymore were noticing that there was a transitional shift in people and i've heard everybody's talking about ascension and and rising fifth dimension of modern you know the aquarius age and all that I think that the analogy is pretty clear that we're all developing at these amazing speeds. And I think that we will destroy ourselves if we don't learn how to make peace with both sides of our nature, which is that ancient um, survive, uh, be, exist, work, do, and the transcendence, the connection, the deeper understanding of self. You need both to be human. The beingness and... I'm reading this book by Jessica Pretense because I'm very interested in our agriculture as a nutritionist and the nutritional value of our food and food system. She talked about the old way where the grandmothers, the fathers, the mothers, and the ch children each had a role. The grandparents were tradition, the fathers were action, the mothers were relationship, the children were vision. And now in our industrial commerce, you know, the industry of productivity as well as like um, production we're all about action and vision and we've forgotten our relationship and tradition connection to the land um, and those relationships have deteriorated what we've produced because we don't have the relationships or the tradition of the old and what we need to remember so the action vision has taken over and we're producing like watered down versions of products that we once did when it comes to at least our food industry and what we've done to the soil, the nutrient, you know, malnutrient uh, density. And I'm curious because you were chatting about like the polarity of like Gemini and Sag and our natures as humans. Something came up when you were chatting about, you know, there's a lot of different opinions on what really happened. And as an oral history journalist and studying 
and not understanding how important it would be until I've gotten to this part of my career, which is still the beginning, <laughs> just starting, seeing this day and age that we live in, now more than ever, the censorship of Victor's right history, what's allowed to be put on social media, in the Google search engine, what shows up, we don't know what to trust. In the oral history archives in Columbia, in Cornell, you know, different things I've been involved with, I can see like some of these oral history archives are, are behind um, like, what are they called? Like they're in lock boxes, they're behind bars. No one can see them. Um, and so it's just interesting to keep oral history alive is really important, especially during a time like this where so much is shifting. And as you said, we don't know exactly what happened. Maybe they didn't destroy themselves. That's one opinion. I love the opinions of inner earth and um, the Lumerians in Mount Shasta who actually knew what was coming the end of the earth with the Atlanteans and went into the earth as light beings and still lived there in Telos. And then inner earth here where I was conceived in Sedona, I'm like, I definitely came from inner earth um, where they say some beings are Antarctica. And so it's really exciting to hear who knows what was really done with that technology. They could have found a way to just become light and like exist in a different form. Um, I would like to create some context for people who have heard of Age of Aquarius and don't know what the context is, where it's rooted in. It's just thrown around everywhere. They hear about it from the 70s, but a lot of different gurus and a lot of different um, thought leaders are chatting about it in today's age. And if you could bring some grounding and understanding to what it is. Absolutely. So the age of Aquarius, as far as at least what I have translated to be is when we go back to where we were, the age of Capricorn is the age of the industrial revolution, because Capricorn represents government, which is where we have the Declaration of Independence. Um, it represents rules and um, moderation and mastery of gifts. So that has been our development over time. We've had computer technology, we've had businesses, mobiles, um, we've had the silk trade and all of, you know, all of that, all the industrial revolution, the declaration of independence, moving from America, coming here and, you know, moving from uh, Europe to come and be America and be free. Um, that to me is the age of Capricorn. Now we've come- Big factories, machinery. Age of Capricorn, in industry, you know, like the big Ford factories, uh, th that kind of kind of imagery of machines. Mm -hmm. Age of Aquarius. And then now that we've transitioned into the Aquarian age, Aquarius is all about mental everything. It's it's the mind, it's technology. They're the magician in tarot. So it's about taking something that is like a rock or a density and then turning it into a crystal or a rock right that's now it's still a rock but it's crystal instead of a rock through pressure and same energy the idea that i think is very important with the age of aquarius too that people should take note is that you are taking something out of something else it is not something out of nothing we're not transferring energy from nothing from matter you're taking something that is and you're advancing it to the same thing, but better and, and greater. And it's still the same. That's what Aquarius represents. So this age, yes, it's technology. Yes, it's mental health. Yes, it's the mind. It's spiritual warfare. But it's also what was and what will be coming to meet 
if that makes sense. I love that. When we were chatting the other day, you said this is the age of AI. This is the age of like hover cars, technology going to a whole new level. Um, what we see in the sci-fi movies, we're going to see that, you know, the neural, we're going to see people like the holograms, all of that is, and our mentors, Phaedra and Rima, um, Rima had said like age of Aquarius is kind of modeling the characteristics of that sign. And so it's an air sign. So there's going to be issues with air. So like, COVID was all about breathing and like the light and dark of that. But the light of that is like advancements in technology and advancements in health. And like, I don't know what they're called. They're called some kind of like med bed um, where people lay on them and get healed. And they're, they're, they're like really high tech for cancer and all of these things, but like- The red lights, ultraviolet light, beamer technology. Yeah, like extreme health technologies coming out. Um, and then you said Pisces would be, so I have two questions, but I'd love for you to chat about Piscean age after the Aquarian age. And also um, what you think these eclipses are signaling within us birthing the Aquarian age. I think that um, the eclipses are um, basically what I was saying about slowing down, especially having it last year, our eclipses were in Cancer and Capricorn, okay? So Capricorn was the final stage of itself, of the Capricorn age. That's why we entered this year into the Aquarian age, because at the end of the year, it was a Capricorn eclipse, okay? So this year, now that it is Sagittarius and Gemini mid-year, Gemini is about shadow and light. It's about looking at the mirror and being one with yourself because you do have both aspects, but they are one in the same. Sagittarius is about the world. It's global, it's travel, it's unification. It's connecting even like with the oral tradition of, of words and speaking and storytelling. It's connecting the world. It's not necessarily the world itself because that would be Virgo energy, but it would be like the unifying of verbal communication of the world. Everybody coming together, seeing each other, speaking, touching, feeling. That is Sagittarius. So with the eclipse in Sagittarius, it's teaching people to have boundaries. It's teaching people their voice. It's teaching people to be a part of the world without being a part of the world. Wow. So, I mean, especially depend on what narrative works for people's healing. If a lot of people, you know, are getting vaccinated and so they're seeing each other they're touchy they're kissy and maybe they just like sprouted out of the house like yay even though covid was really a time for inner reflection and healing and like i believe not going back to the old normal but creating a new normal for ourselves and so what's resonating with me is like people might be running out of their homes because they feel safe and the universe is asking them to take a pause and not to go too fast and see how do you really want to go back into the world? I know you're excited, but you know, cause it's kind of like that deep breath or like you get too excited and you just like run and then you have to stop and say like, Whoa, I really need to look at how I want to go forward with everything we just learned from this time of lockdown. 
And the other analogy of speaking to the Piscean age, Pisces represents the spiritual like super ascension. It's it's the uh, high priestess card in, in tarot. So when you're dealing with us moving from the technology, the mental age into Pisces, which is going to be all about that next level ascension, the last stage of the Zodiac, it's 12 finalization where we're at 11 right now, which is Aquarius. It's going to be very interesting to see how people merge on the level of that AI versus the spiritual ascension, because they are one in the same AI technology is advancement in intelligence, artificial intelligence, but I see it as advancement intelligence. Whereas um, the spiritual is that connection to source that yourself, the universe, the, the timelines and things of that nature. So when Pisces comes in, especially during this eclipse energy, we'll see Jupiter holding that Pisces kind of flip-flop for a bit because it's going to flip between Aquarius and Pisces while it's in retrograde. Pisces is a super, super weird placement when it's in its home planet because it means that you can get abundance coming to you like you wouldn't even know. It would just come out of nowhere. You'll get uh, connections to people. You'll have more spiritual abilities. You could probably see ghosts more fluidly or feel things more fluidly than you would during when Jupiter's in another sign. So all of these things are the analogy of the pre before the final, which is where we're going towards with that Pisces age. I think that the Mayans were talking about, actually, I'm going to read that too, that history of what the Mayans say about the eclipses, because the Mayans were talking about the difference between star people and star demons. And what it says is in their tradition, star demons were and eclipses. So think of the analogy. The star demons are eating the emotional body, which is that moon energy, the divine feminine, and then the sun, which is the, the heated power, the root, the masculine, the energy, the vibrance. And these demons would eat, according to their culture, that energy. And then it says, Mayans believe that planets were star demons. Did you say the star demons would come out during the moon eclipses? Yes. Okay. And it says that uh, planets were star demons since they were visible in the sky during total eclipses. The imagery and stories depicted demons as insects and snakes. The Lacandon, a people whose descendant live in the Mexican state of Chiapas, believed that eclipses would cause earth to split, releasing jaguars that would devour people and lay waste to the land. All of these are analogies, I think, for what they were talking about, because if they were saying that these other planets that were in the sky were the star demons, I think that they were discussing that, like with Jupiter being retrograde and in between Aquarius and Pisces, right? So that energy can be an illusion. You could be handed something on a silver platter, but is it yours to be received? Is it something that's in your highest good? If Mars is in a very strange placement, which I believe it's in Gemini right now, um, what's your communication with your masculine? Are you really who you say you are or are you eluding yourself? With uh, the moon being in Sagittarius, you want to go out, like June just said, where you want to go out and play and be a part of the world. But is that what's the right decision right now with your connecting with humans and other people? Do you even know yourself enough now through what you've learned to connect with people? I think that's kind of what the analogy is, you know? I love that. And it's crazy because um, I woke up this morning and the first word that came in is spirit eater. And when I was little, 
I had these like, kind of visions of being around certain people. I, I hadn't had my memory for when I was eight and younger until I did a lot of kind of brain sensitizing and spiritual training to gain that. And I saw things I didn't really want to, like one years old, this little light being sucking in spirits around someone that I loved. And I told very few people in the beginning, a couple years ago, um, of me talking about it. I'd known about it for a while, but one of these great mentors was like, you're a spirit eater. <laughs> She's a myofascial therapist. She's like, haven't you heard of it in the Mayan um, or in the like South American traditions? And I'm like, no. And I never looked into it. And this morning it was like, God's like, you need to start looking into it, activate that skill set. For me, like coming in, I had past life stuff awakened. I think a lot of us have potential in our brain that's present from past lives. Um, and gifts that we have, but if we're not nurtured that or cultivate that potential, we can't use it. So when you're talking about these demons eating things, it's making me think about like um, me needing to eat the demons if they're out there or something like activate that part of my, and, and during that age, when I started to have the memory of the, that experience, I had a lot of stomach issues. I was having cameras down my stomach, taking pictures and they couldn't find anything. But um, I'm curious when it comes to what you'd say this time of the Sagittarius eclipse in the moon and then the Gemini eclipse in the sun with the last 10 minutes we have, if we could go over each sign and how you'd suggest they interact with these times. Yeah, um, we'll kind of focus in on who is getting hit the hardest. So I'm gonna mention the signs that will be hit the hardest with this, this immediate moon. So the lunar eclipse begins May 26th. It starts uh, at that five degree and 26 minute of Sagittarius. So that's important, fifth degree for astrologers out there. And those that don't understand, you can look up five degrees in Sagittarius and see what that means. But basically that degree is super important for any signs that are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces between the degrees of zero and 10. So my sign, I am um, a Gemini, and I believe that my degree line is 22 degrees Gemini, which is, uh, so I'm not going to be hit as affected as somebody who could be a zero to a 10 degree Gemini during the eclipse, or, or you yourself as well. So you have a certain degree of a plant, of a planet, of right. a sign. So when you, uh, you can look up your chart for free with your birth date, uh, time and place on places like astro astrology.com or, um, astro lab, astro L A B E.com. Those websites will do, uh, that chart for free. You'll just plug in your information and pay attention to what degree your signs are in. And, uh, like I said, the ones that are going to be most affected are mutable signs. Um, and, that's the Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces, because they're the mutable signs in the Zodiac. And then, uh, so for each sign, let's kind of go over that really fast. So Aries, um, it says they need to think before jumping into action. Their area of opportunity and travel is highlighted during the lunar eclipse. Big things for everybody, every sign, do not have surgery during eclipses. 
do not have surgery during full moons. Big, big no-no. Don't do it. So that's why the physicians were trained in astrology. And why? Because you will bleed out. That your blood is the thinnest during those time periods because of the transitional phases of the moon. It is not good to get surgery during that time. To me, um, I don't know. For if that shows the exact idea, you need stuck a little bit. It shows the exact idea of our operations and you know production of making money and our medical system. Now we've lost the connection to tradition, place, and relationship, and it's all about action and vision and how they're just trying to circulate people in and out of the hospital to make that money instead of really connecting to you know the literal natural natural pulls the natural pulls that will affect the operations crazy um don't travel overseas during eclipses don't uh do magic during eclipses especially those are like my warnings for the best things you could do. <laughs> if people want to do like a healing session with someone, go do like a past life regression or an energy session. Should they not do that during that time? I think that healing, as long as it's on self, is fine. Um, just make sure that when you're going into it, the intention is good for both parties, not just for self. Okay. Yeah. And the Taurus, just one day or three days? Um, so the eclipse is very specific to hours, actually. Um, unfortunately, I don't remember what hours they are, but the two days that you should really think about it, because there's a shadow period of like a four to five total days, but the two days that are most important are going to be the 25th and 26th of May, and then the uh, 9th and 10th of uh, June. Okay. Um, Taurus, take your time, be patient. This is literally going to give you a lot of energy and make you stimulated. So pause, take a pause, chill out. Don't work too hard. Don't, don't try to be too fast in something. Um, make sure that your words and actions match. Gemini, uh, this is going to light up your area of relationships. So lighten your mood by spending time with friends or special people. Um, if you're looking for love, discussing new possible options, there is an open door there for you. Cancer, you need to find joy in simple things. So take notice of what's grabbing your attention and who is catering to you at this time, who is caring for you. Those are the people that you want to keep around you. So that would be for your rising June. That's kind of a hint there for you. It, it could also translate to any of your three main signs, your moon, your sun, and your rising, what I'm saying. Leo, um, shine your light, be vibrant, be out there, play with your energy. This is going to light up your uh, expressions. Just make sure that you discern what you're seeing, what you're noticing. Like if people are not doing good, definitely do not express all of your vibrant light to them in that moment. Virgo, uh, make the most of your moments with family. This is about deep connections with family because things will be transitioning soon for you. So take on those feelings and that family time and then wait for further, you know, instruction after this moon phase sizzles out. Uh, Libra, this is super important for you because you have uh, kind of a weird in-between with all these other planetary things involved because Capricorn is in Pluto. 
So Libras, uh, you need to let it all out. Whatever purge your energy, your emotions, you need to purge it out. You, you got a lot hanging out in there. So just kind of move it through your body. Uh, Scorpio, you're very similar as well to Leo energy. So let that light shine, be vibrant, uh, play in that, be very sweet. Give yourself time and patience, but just kind of let out your magic, be lit, lit up like a light bulb. All right, Sagittarius, this is your big, big thing for all you Sagittarius, okay? Are you walking your talk? This moon, it falls on your sign, so you need to set your goals high, okay? What turns on is uh, that connection with conversation and appreciation of higher education and travel. So um, kind of set your goals. Definitely don't initiate them because it will be during that Mercury retrograde period, like June said, until June, July 7th. So uh, write them all down. Get your ideas down. Think about what you want to do. Very important. And dream big. Capricorn, take care of any old businesses before moving forward in anything in life and love. Take care of old stuff. Get it finished. Aquarius, you have a lot of extra energy like Taurus. This is optimized timing for networking with associates. So reach out and touch people. Uh, get in touch. Connect. Get that information out there. Get all your connections in board. And finally, Pisces, super important for you, like Sagittarius, this is the perfect time to be seen in a new light in your public life. If your old life was harsh or intense or challenging, it's time for you to light up the area of your status and career. You need to focus on things that can support your personal movement and your professional movement forward. And that's uh, everybody. So you wrote all these horoscopes. I did. <laughs> Because at first she said, I'm going to read this. And I wanted everyone to know she wrote all of that. <laughs> um, That's my interpretation of like 12 other people's interpretations. And then what I know about uh, the signs. Yeah. Lots of research. So that was for the May eclipse. Yes. Awesome. This is a big time but an exciting time. And it reminds me because of the women's work I do during menstruation, we know that the left and right hemispheres are communicating more than the rest of the cycle during follicular ovulation or luteal phase. And that we're supposed to really take that time to analyze, really reevaluate and assess. And so I love how you said, like, for me as a Sag, like I'm going to be talking about future education degrees, different place I want to specialize in the trauma field and counseling field and getting some advice on that and really mull it over and think about it um, to go forward and uh, not take any action on it until I <laughs> have I think the last thing I wanted to ask was until Mercury goes out of retrograde what is I think Saturn and Jupiter are going retrograde or I heard three or just yeah so what that means it's a, a it's a lot of them actually um let me see if i could pull up my weekly forecast because i wrote it down the um the biggest thing is that paying attention to this time that most of the signs are in retrograde right now 
Um, you have like five of them that are going in retrograde. And I can put this on another post so that people can see it specifically. But with Jupiter being in retrograde on top of uh, that energy with the communication between Pluto, a kind of Pluto is also retrograde. Saturn's going retrograde. I believe that Mars is planning on going retrograde soon. Um, all of the signs in retrograde is kind of like a, you know, Oh, take some time to step back. You got all these different energies kind of, they're super different. You got the Piscean network energy, you got Capricorn's energy, you got Aquarius jumping in there and then Gemini. It's, it's, it's all very, it's going to be very different for people to, to kind of just feel all this energy. Like one day you're going to feel vibrant and the next day you're not going to feel like you want to do anything. So you need to admire and acknowledge that it's time to like take a break and just kind of chill out for a little bit. Yeah. And I was really resonating with some people in my lives where it's like, they look like they're handed something on a golden platter, but it's not actually real. Like it's, and, and you said, I think you said that was because like, it will fade to dust or something like what looks really good. And it actually is too good to be true. Is that because of the Jupiter retrograde or the, um, I think I don't realize, I don't know what, which one it was that you were talking about when you said that, but I, I really resonate with that. It's a mix of the eclipse energy, the fact that the sun is now entering Gemini coming up this week, and that uh, we're before Litha, which is next month. Um, we will be having a huge uh, offering because Jupiter is all about offering. It's about luck. It's about abundance. But that offering can be convoluted by all these other planets' involvements, especially if it's not for you in particular. You're going to get influences that you won't know what to do with, and you have to kind of differentiate it yourself. So that offering is not always going to be as true because Jupiter's retrograde. Yes, Jupiter being retrograde and the eclipses are the main two reasons why it's too good to be true. And then when can they start like maybe more trusting after July 7th, we got to get through eclipse period. So it has to be after like late June, beginning of July. So I would say, you know, July 7th, because of that Mercury going direct, um, you're still going to have a shadow period of Mercury being she said having when the shadow period ended July 7th. Yeah, so there you go. Perfect. That July 7th is, is good. That's good timing to get all this stuff in board, get your new projects going, um, get all that initiated. But this this month of June coming up is all about rest, self-reflection, um, healing, and catering to those wounds, those demons that are inside that need to be healed. Yeah, and that just made me think it's not always bad when demons are shown or when demons devour the earth. The demons are being shown so that they can be transmuted into the nectar. And why is the dragon, you know, spurring fire because he's guarding the gold and we want to learn the story and, you know, heal it. So I love that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on here with me. That's why I was so happy you were like, yes, because I'm like, okay, good. We're doing this. So, so much thanks to June. Um, you can check her out on her. She has so many programs going right now, but on Facebook, she is June Sindesi. I will be posting the link to her blog and um, podcast information so you guys can check out her stuff. 
Um, thank you so much for tuning into this episode this week is very powerful and I hope it helps in whatever way. And thank you so much, June, for doing this. Of course, such such an honor. So much fun. So proud of what you're doing out there. And uh, raising the light, the spirit anchor, not letting us get stuck in the fear. Thank you. Uh, the biggest like final points I'll say is um, the eclipse myths that we've had, that we've seen all of the history and also what's occurring now. It's signaling that um, this is a time of uncertainty, but it shouldn't be feared. And um, everything that is coming is coming for a reason. It's coming forward for a reason. So we must be aware, acknowledge it and transmute it, as June said. And uh, this blog was definitely an entry point. If you guys want to check out the work that I've been working on for the classes and the worksheets and all of this information that I'm putting in for you guys, I will be launching a amazing class coming up very soon. You'll be able to sign up and I'll put all the amazing juicy details later. But this is just the beginning of all the stuff that we're all doing. And thank you so much. That's that. We're done now. Awesome, June. Thank you. Of course. I'm so proud. I'm, I love it. You're so eloquent and it's exciting what's coming out. I just had an epiphany then, like, oh, I had someone look at my chart and they said, like, are you in nutrition and like, are you in trauma? And I was just like, well, the other day, it was a couple months ago. And she's like, you need to do more certification in trauma, like, really, like, get educated. And then just this moment through our conversation, I'm like, spirit eater alchemizing the demons into gold you know like i can eat the spirits but then like alchemize or you know transmute them and so that is trauma work taking the pain and making it you know and so i never connected that until just now so much fun so exciting very so cool so you're saying this is a time for a lot of sagittarius is a big kind of revision or something for a lot of people and yeah it's it's reevaluating um you're literally being asked to reevaluate your values and like your people who you surround yourself with and like it's kind of time to shed that next layer of skin i feel like that's what sagittarius is dealing with whereas gemini it's peeling away the the layers that have been put up that um that need to be like healed 